greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're able to join us for this podcast. We've been offering these online acts of worship every week since the first lockdown began, almost a year ago now. Each act of worship combines archive recordings of our choir and congregational singing with newly recorded readings, intercessions and sermons. We've kept a candle burning here on the altar each day since the very start of that first lockdown as a sign of hope, even when our doors have been closed. And we think about you and give thanks for you each day when it is lit. Do please leave a comment or a like as you listen to our service. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these online services, you'll find details in the accompanying text. Now, may the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. A voice came out of the cloud and said, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. A very warm welcome to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the last Sunday before Lent begins, which this year happens to fall on St Valentine's Day. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin now with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, 
through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <laughs>
Almighty Father, whose Son was revealed in majesty before he suffered death upon the cross, give us grace to perceive his glory, that we may be strengthened to suffer with him and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading is taken from the second book of Kings, chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gigal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Elijah said to him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Then Elijah said to him, Tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went, and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up, and struck the water, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, I pray you, let me inherit a double share of your spirit. And he said, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The epistle is taken from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, beginning at the third verse. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the likeness of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his garments became glistening, intensely white, as no fuller on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking to Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is well that we are here. Let us make three booths, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were exceedingly afraid. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen, until the Son of Man should have risen from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. In one of my previous jobs, occasionally I used to drive past a nearby Roman Catholic church that had a sign carved above its entrance that always caused my eyes to roll upwards in irritation. I would not react quite so contemptuously these days, being somewhat older and wiser, I hope, and understanding a little more of what lay behind it. So, what was it about that sign that provoked such a negative reaction in me at the time? I should point out that it was nothing to do with the actual wording, which I could happily and wholeheartedly endorse. The sign bore a perfectly commendable message of four simple words that read, In all things, love. Yes, absolutely. No, my problem was not with the message, but with the symbol that accompanied it which was the line drawing of a heart with an arrow through it, the kind of symbol that you see in graffiti on bus stops, penned by lovelorn teenagers, keen to let the world know that Amy fancies Jordan. The drawing of a heart pierced by Cupid's arrow has become the classic symbol of romantic love in our society, indicating the pain of lovesickness and the wound of uncontrollable erotic desire. You will doubtless have seen any number of examples on cards and in the advertising materials leading up to St. Valentine's Day today. But what on earth was a sign like that doing outside a Christian place of worship? At the time, it seemed to me not only inappropriate, but, if I can be forgiven for saying so, rather naff. However, 
as I indicated a moment ago, I know more now than I did then. And I certainly understand more about the story behind that particular symbol. Because although its association with romantic love seems to have its origins in the Middle Ages, there's another tradition behind its use that is also medieval, but is profoundly theological, linked with the imagery of the five wounds of Christ at the crucifixion. Certainly by the 15th century, the image of the heart of Christ pierced by a sword, sometimes replaced with an arrow, became part of that iconography. And this tied in with another strand of medieval Catholic devotion, focusing on the sacred heart of Jesus, a symbol that gave tangible and visible symbolic form to the concept of God's boundless and passionate love for us and the long-suffering love and compassion of Christ. As a good Protestant Anglican, I must confess that although I can make sense of it at an intellectual level, the notion of a specific spiritual devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus and the particular symbolism that has come to accompany it has never really done it for me. What I do comprehend completely, however, is the profoundly costly nature of the life of love. Because the very word compassion means to suffer with, to feel the pain of another. And far from being romantic, even in the broadest sense of the word, sometimes the true heroism of a life of love remains completely hidden from view. I cannot help but think of parishioners I've known throughout my ministry whose tireless devotion and dedication to caring for a sick loved one over many years cost them everything and, outwardly at least, gave them little in return. And yet, that is precisely the place where the refiner's fire can transform the fickle superficiality of romantic love into a love that truly is of Christ. The Benedictine nun, Sister Mary David, once said of those experiences of friction and frustration that I'm sure we all recognize within our relationships, these difficult situations with others are the very means by which we are invited to transform our natural love into Christ's love. The necessity of practicing forbearance, patience, kindness, when we don't want to or feel like it, forces us to work at turning, or rather letting God turn, our love into real love. And the process always involves a kind of death. A compassionate heart will always feel pain. In Sue Monk Kidd's novel, The Secret Life of Bees, one of the characters, May, 
is traumatised by the suffering of others, even by events that appear on the news. Her sister explains that May lacks the protection around her heart that most of us have, so that all the sufferings of the world enter, enter her. And May feels that pain and tragedy so acutely that it seems to be happening to her. She simply can't tell the difference anymore. Reflecting on that, I was reminded of a story that I heard many years ago in a little parish church in Brisbane. The story went like this. A group of theological students turned up to one of their regular classes and was surprised to discover that on each of their desks had been placed a blank sheet of paper and a pencil. And, stranger still, pinned to the board at the front was the paper image of a dartboard. They had no idea what was going on or what to expect, and they were even more perplexed by the task that their tutor then set them. What I want you to do, he said, is to think of someone whom you really, really dislike, someone you hate, someone who has wronged you or abused your trust or betrayed you, either recently or many years ago. And I'd like you to draw the face of that person as best you can on that piece of paper in front of you. Predictably, there were some complaints from those students who said that they were rubbish at drawing and from others who said they couldn't think of anyone that they felt that strongly about. But after a few minutes, they had all started work and indeed became increasingly absorbed in the task. One of them drew the face of his abusive stepmother who had made his childhood a time of utter misery. One of the female students drew the face of a guy that morning who had barged into her and then followed it up with a torrent of sexist abuse. And so it went on. And their pictures became increasingly detailed as they became increasingly involved in that task. Eventually, when they'd all drawn their pictures, the tutor invited one of the students to come up to the front and to pin his drawing onto the dartboard picture. He then handed him three darts and said, now here's your chance to show what you really think about him. Still slightly baffled, the student did just that. And it so happened that the third of his darts struck his image right between the eyes, which evoked a mighty cheer and cries of bullseye from the rest of the class. From which point onwards, the whole group became more and more engaged, cheering enthusiastically every time one of those hateful individuals got it in the eye or right in the middle of the forehead. Yay! Finally, when the last of the students had hurled her three darts at the image of the person whom she loathed and had returned to her seat, and the shouting and the applause of her peers had died down, the tutor went to the paper dartboard, which by this time, as you can imagine, was almost completely shredded, and he unpinned it 
and he took it down from the board. In that instant, the entire group of students fell silent because unbeknown to them, concealed behind the paper dartboard was another image. It was the image of the face of Christ, a face that was now torn and disfigured until it was almost unrecognisable, damaged by every single one of the darts that had reached its target. It was perhaps the most powerful reminder that any of them had ever experienced, that when we wound one another, however justified we may feel we are in doing so, it is Christ who ultimately bears the pain of that aggression and violence. It is the flesh of Christ, torn and bloodied, that bears the marks of our own anger and rage and our desire to get our own back, to cause harm, to get even. And in the same way, the heart of Christ is pierced by the sin of the world. How could it be otherwise? For the compassionate heart is a heart that feels pain and as we sing in one of our most well-loved hymns, Jesus, thou art all compassion. St. Valentine was a Roman priest, said to have been martyred in Rome on this day in the year 269. His association with romantic love is probably simply to do with the date, the 14th of February, and a legend that birds begin to sing on this day, and so to choose their mates. Or possibly the fact that it coincided with a pagan fertility feast. But the image of a heart pierced by an arrow suggests so much more than that. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Christ. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the Scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, 
who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. At the end of each prayer, I will say, Lord, for the years. Would you please respond, we give you thanks. So, Lord, for the years. Lord of the morning, we ask you to hear the prayers we offer. We pray for your church throughout the world, for Queen Elizabeth and for her service to this country and the Commonwealth. For Alison, our rector, and Jeff, our associate priest, and for all who have worked to bring us together in this act of worship, wherever we may be. And for our families and friends, watch over those who are separated from us during this difficult time. We pray for peace and harmony among the nations of our fragile and troubled world. Heal that which is damaged and unite that which is torn apart. Lord, for the years, we give you thanks. We thank you for the work of scientists in creating new vaccines in the fight against COVID-19, for the dedication and perseverance of all within the medical profession and key workers involved in keeping our country safe. Lift them up when they grow weary and give them courage to face the difficulties which confront them. Lord of all, enrich our lives with the vision of your goodness and fill us with gratitude for all you have done for us. Help us to journey on in faith and hope. Lord, for the years, we give you thanks. We bring to your care all those whose lives are blighted by sorrow and suffering and finding life difficult to cope with. Bring healing to those who are unwell, peace to the anxious, courage to the fearful and rest to the weary. In a moment of quietness, we think of all known to us who are in need of our prayers and those who have no one to pray for them. God of the Spirits, we ask your blessing upon our loved ones and our friends who once shared in our laughter and our tears and who are now departed from us. Give them rest in your eternal kingdom where all suffering has ended and the clouds of earth's sorrow are lifted. Lord, for the years, we give you thanks. During these uncertain times, we are feeling unsure and anxious. But flowers will grow, birds still sing, and waves still sweep the shore. And with the rising and setting of the sun, the beauty of nature's chorus is a constant harmony that forever and always will be. Brighter days will come, and we will be with our friends and families again. And we say together, Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, 
our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. 
It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven. We worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ, Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy, 
Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him and he Let us pray. Holy God, we see your glory in the face of Jesus Christ. May we who are partakers at his table reflect his life in word and deed, that all the world may know his power to change and save. This we ask through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.